Today I'm going to read chapter 4 of Duncan's War, so here I go. Tuesday morning, November 13, 1666, dawned wet and cold. Clouds gray and heavy with moisture slumped low over the hills. Rain fell in continuous sheets. Wrapping his plate around himself at the dam, Duncan wondered if the rain would ever stop. He smiled ruefully. Maybe this instant rain would serve as the best deterrent against the brutalities of the English soldiers. Surely even they, mad dogs as they were, wouldn't relish the idea of plundering on a day like this. Peat smoke made a blue, a dull blue haze throughout the room. Some of the chill and dampness retreated reluctantly as the peat hissed and sputtered fire. Duncan's father laid out a row of cut peat near the fire in hopes that the small heat might dry out and other fuel will make out will make for a better fire later in the day. Duncan Come with me up to check on the ancient grier. Cold and wet as it is, and with his ears, he'd best be seeing that he's getting on all right. He's late threshing on his corn. If this rain will let be for the space of an hour, we'll thresh some of it for the old man. Then can inwardly groaned. But he pulled himself out of bed and began wrapping an extra plate around his shoulders. As he followed his father out into the cold rain, he snatched his breath at the sharply sharply at the drenching cold. The the rivets of rivets of the rain water turned down the path soon made his bare feet ache. As the numbness set in, he slipped and nearly fell several times. No no amount of digging his toes in seemed to help. He pulled his plate up into the head and blinked as he gazed after his father's broad bark, partly uh, obscured through the torrent drips uh, cascading off his plate. Anyone who claimed that wool still kept you warm, even when it got wet, and had never tested the theory. At least not in this kind of drenching downpour. Duncan shivered. Ancient Grier, his father called, his voice virtually drowned out by the rain. Ancient Grier, is all well with ye? He knocked at the door of the croft. No reply. With this rain, it's hard to tell for sure, said said Duncan in his father's ear. But I see no smoke coming from his chimney. His father lifted the hatch, and Duncan, full of dread, followed him into the old man's croft. What if Iron Chun's report was true? What if they would... They found Grier hanged in his own croft. Again he shivered. He's not here, said Duncan, his teeth chattering. 
Furrows lined his father's forehead as he scanned sparse furnishings. He's not here, but I don't think he's gone. He's been gone for long, he said, crouching at the fireplace. He has had a fire already today, though it's burned itself into nothing but weak smolderings. He's taking his claymore with him, said Duncan, eyeing the empty space on the wall, where he had often seen Duncan's sword hanging. Ah, so it seems, said his father slowly, or someone else took it, said Duncan. They stepped back out into the rain. Duncan sloshed to the far end of the craft, uh, uh, something underfoot on the cold, wet ground felt different. A warm, oozing sensation crept between the toes of his numb foot. He bent down and inspected his foot. Father, Duncan called suddenly. What is it? His father replied, striding toward where Duncan stood, staring at the ground. Horse dung, said Duncan slowly. Fresh horse dung. I, ancient Briar, doesn't he have a horse? Ah, said his father, a grim set to his jaw. That can mean only one thing. He didn't need to say what it meant. Duncan followed his father back down the hill toward the village. The cold and wet seemed less noticeable as he tried equaling his father's stride without breaking into a run. As they came up on Th- Thomas Macaron's farm on the edge of the village, Duncan's father stopped at the farmhouse and pounded in the door. Duncan ducked around the corner of the house while his father waited f- for a reply to-, to his knocking. He hated the thought of Farmer Macaron remembering when Duncan took cover in the drinking in his drinking pond. He wasn't about to be seen and risk hearing the man's mocking laughter again, and especially not in front of his father. He heard the door creak open. Sandy McKeith, what are you doing out in a day like this? asked the farmer. Duncan heard his father ask after an ancient at Grier. You best leave off searching for the old man, McKeith said Macron. You might find yourself in a meddling with folks' affairs. I can ye compared at the Kirk Thomas, said Duncan's father, and you think little are keeping up the covenant. But this is a matter of justice for an old man, for your neighbor. You can't turn a blind eye on old Grier. That's a funny thing, McKeith, snorted the farmer. To to my way of thinking, I'd be just for Grier to pay what he owes to the king. And what is it he owes to the king? asked Duncan's father. Fines. Fines they're forced to take out by threshing of his corn. That's justice. And if one and I for one intend not to interfere with it. You can, they'll take all his winter food and leave the old man to starve. There's no justice in that man. He'd heard enough. Duncan moved toward the barn. Then he saw them. Four settled horses stood tethered under a cornered outbuilding next to the barn. Duncan peered in the window. 
Four of the king's soldiers appeared to be trying to light a fire on the floor in the center of the stone barn. In the wet heap of patched weed and played lay ancient Briar, his hands and feet tied so that he would not move. His face looked pale and strained. His beard and hair were matted with mud. One of the soldiers spoke, and Duncan could make just out what he said. An old man, fall to your prayer, said one. You might think of it as praying over your last meal, said another. Instead of seizing your pathetic corn in payment of your fines, we're going to strip you naked and roast you alive. Very slowly. We, you'll be popping and sizzling away until until done to the culinary perfection said the first the other soldiers laughed uproariously perhaps you'd like to sing us a song or two jeered another aha i've finally gotten the fire lit said the fourth in in lieu of your many depths intoned one of the soldiers as if pronouncing the sentence of a court occultimated of your refusals to submit your lawful thing and sovereign we extract the payment thereof in form of no no uh not corn his time this time we extract payment of the form of your roasted flesh this will make a merry funeral supper indeed said the first who seemed to be the man in charge so intent on listening to soldiers duncan did not hear his father come up behind him what is that you see lad his father whispered duncan nearly bolted out of his skin in alarm they've got briar stammered duncan and they say they're going to to roast him alive what are we going to do father God's commands is to make our duty to Grier's clear enough, lad, said his father levelly. What? said Duncan. We do everything possible to save Grier, but four armed men against two without weapons. Duncan's father seemed almost to be talking himself to himself. Little we can do without help. Duncan run like the wind to Kelson Inn down at the village and gather what willing men you find there and duncan my father tell them to come in arms without weapons we'll never force monsters like these to leave a poor man an old man alone now off with you and haste you back twice duncan slipped on the slimy mud and raced down to the steep main street of darwin he heard his father correctly Tell them to come in arms. He'd nearly clearly said it. Bursting in the door of the low stone inn, his face streaked with mud, Duncan looked around for someone he recognized. Four men sat in the corner, driven indoors by the cold and wet, pools of muddy rainwater at his feet. Duncan looked closer. One of the men looked up at Duncan. In an instant, he recognized John McLean, the fugitive of Laird of Bearscombe. Dragoons, they've got ancient Grier, Duncan cried, and they say corn won't do. They're going to roast him alive for not paying his fine. Bereska flew to his feet, his chair falling backward with a clatter. How many? How armed? He demanded. Four soldiers with swords, pistols, and muskets, said Duncan. 
We've only got three swords between us, said one of the bear's companions, and two pistols. I have no lead for the pistols, said bear's There will be no time to lose. My father there is there, unarmed, but they'll have but they have Grice Claymore. We'll take them by surprise, cried Bearscub, running out through the door. The others followed, Duncan bolting on ahead, worried now that his father might go in defense of Grier, even without a weapon. And then, that's my soldiers do with his father. With relief, he saw his father still peering in the window of the barn. Smoke now drifted steadily out of the open window and partially opened the door. Bearscub and his companions joined them at the window. Laughter and shouting came from the soldier's barn, now passed a crook of whiskey back and forth, taking long draughts in turn. Sounding McKeith, what do you think of our chances? asked Bearscub. I've got my eye on Grice Claymore just inside the door, he paused. But they have four pistols and at least two muskets. We have two pistols said Bearscub, but no ball for either of them. Bearscub peered at the soldiers through the window. Looks to be Corporal Jarge Deans in command, said the fugitive nobleman, his eyes narrowing, a tough mon- monster and a great hater of the crook. They're drunk, said his said Duncan's father, and they're not expecting us. Two of the soldiers carried Gridden into place over the fire. Roasting grids really ready for action, sir, said one of the soldiers that said one of the soldiers said. Then then the breaking into a ridiculous giggle, he suppressed the belch with the back of his hand. All right, men, said Corporal Deans. Pluck the feathers off the goose and ready him for roasting. One of the soldiers swung his booted foot back and landed a vicious kick at Grier's middle. The old man groaned. As another soldier yanked off Grier's plate while another tore at his jacket and shirt. I've seen more than enough, said Duncan's father, his teeth clenched in anger. Weapons or none, we defend old man or betray the law of God. With that, he rose, throwing the door of the barn with a crash. Duncan's father snatched up Grier's claymore. He seemed to fill the entire barn, so fierce was his presence. Pointing his sword steadily at the Corporal Deans, Sandy McKeith boomed. Touch the old man again, he took a great stride toward the commander, and in the name of God Almighty, I shall run you through the hilt. The, The soldiers threw the stupor from the whiskey, recovered themselves in an instant, and drew them their swords. By this time, Lord Bearscup and his followers their swords at the ready, stood alongside Duncan's father, four ill-trained local men with swords but without even laid ball for their few pistols against four well-armed men and trained soldiers for the king. Why, why do ye use the honest man so? cried Bearscub. How dare you challenge the king's soldiers about their about their lawful duty, barked Corporal Deans, his face growing red with fury. Then, with a sneer duration, the corporal turned and deliberately gave ancient Grier another vicious kick. Another vicious kick. Just then, 
Duncan's father prepared to throw himself at the commander, Bearscope grabbed his tobacco pipe from his jacket and pocket. Cramming it into the barrel of his pistol, he leveled it at Beans and fired. Now in pieces, the ivory pipe shot through the air and found its mark, shattering against the corporal's chest. A, with a gasp of surprise and fury, Deans gro- groped out his chest. His knees buckled. He sprawled in a heap of the floor beside his, vic- his previous victim. Tearing apart the labels of his red coat, buttons popping into the stone floor, Deans moaned as he withdrew his bloodied hand. In a voice high-pitched with panic, a uh, the corporal began reciting the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in... Meanwhile, the old soldier who had first kicked Grier lunged at, at Duncan's father. Duncan looked in wonder as his father parried the thrust and came in the soldier like a fury. Though perhaps he was not as skilled as the soldiers, his father's movements were more fierce and rapid than Duncan's eye could entirely follow. The soldier gave way and backed toward the corner of the barn, and Duncan's father came on. Bearscub showed a skill with his sword in keeping his in his breeding as a nobleman, but his companions, weakened as they with big, with cold and hunger, were no match for the soldier, third soldier. The big, sneering brutes of a man, Spunk and Parried, stepped aside, enjoying the fight as if playing with his prey before the kill. Then Duncan watched Nor as the sword of one of Bearscope's companions clattered to the floor. Bearscope's friend gripped his forearm well into the one knee, his face contorted in pain. Moments later, a big soldier spun on his heel and brought his blade down on the shoulder of the other companion. He too flew to the floor. It was now three soldiers against two ill-trained defenders. Dismayed, Duncan watched the fray and listened to the clashing and scudding of steel against steel. If only he could do something. While Bearscope seemed to be getting the better of his opponent, Duncan's father landed a blow after blow against the sword of his opponent. The man seemed to be weakening as he found himself pressed harder against the wall by the sheer strength of Duncan's father, fueled by the indignation as the injustice done to Agent Grier. Duncan clenched his fists as he watched the big shoulder turn. The big soldier turn. The man seemed to be seizing up the fight, weighing out, weighing out the chances of his fellow soldiers against their opponents. The, he didn't seem to like what he saw from Duncan's father. Sandy McKeith had, had cornered his soldier and stood fighting with the back to the rest of the room. Lifting his sword, the big man uh, bade uh, for a broad back of Duncan's father. Duncan stared horrified. The soldier intended to cleaver his father from behind. His fist clenched, howling with rage, Duncan ran toward the back of the soldier, his head lowered like a charging bull. So that was, so that was chapter 14. Bye guys, see you later.
See you later, see you later, see you. See you later. Bye, guys.